afternoon is full. Motown's gone mad. Halloween Havoc is here. Two demons have emerged. The giant. He has a Jones for destruction. His motorcycle smashing. Back cracking. Bone crunching. Neck choking rampage has opened the ghastly gate for the man who would not, could not stay down. WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan has crossed over to the dark side to take on the evil powers in their own eerie world. Shudder to think about their monster trucks locked up in a sumo-style showdown. If survival is possible, they will then be hauntingly close when they see each other eye to eye inside the fortress called the Ring. It will happen before your very eyes here at Halloween Havoc 95. When you slipped away, like Stand inside the pocket, couldn't stop it once it started, babe Sex went from a blessing to a phase A form less expressive Plastic, slanted, broken, bent and fitted wrong A slow-mo incision You're vicious, I miss when you were my favorite song Now I don't know the lyrics anymore and I know we're both better off Even though it doesn't feel that way at all When a new one does come along I'm just hoping I'll be ready for the fall I'm just hoping I'll be ready for the fall Yeah, wicker from the candles you would burn I still smell your cigarettes and all my favorite shirts But just another lesson I should learn a game for the reckless Tetris Battleship is sunk, I'm drunk and high My head's desecrated My heart is still alive yeah. I wore out all my welcome I'm done with being selfish And I know we're both better off Even though it doesn't feel that way at all When a new one does come along I'm just hoping I'll be ready for the fall I'm just hoping I'll be ready for the fall Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, wrestling news has kind of taken a backseat to the news that's going on across the nation with all the protesting and the coronavirus. And so wrestling, uh, not making a lot of headlines this week. So we have a pretty limited supply of news to go through. So this will be a rather quick news segment this week. Uh, but you can lead it off since you are our resident newsman. Well, Anthem and Double J... They have been at it ever since, what, seems like three years now or something, uh, over these tapes and over the use of the green lettering, or I don't know. Anyway, it's there's so many other shit that's come out about it. Anyway, a trial of months upon months of trying to reach an agreement, a trial was set. This trial starts at the end of the month, so they are going to trial in Nashville, Tennessee. Actual trial. So we're going to find out what happens here. Can Double J take down the multi-million dollar media conglomerate Anthem? 
And I'm not sure exactly how much money he's even looking for. Uh, some of the disputes, I, I'm not entirely read up on the lawsuit, but I know that he was upset that when they attempted to merge Global Force into Impact, uh, apparently he didn't secure the copyrights for Global Force Wrestling or the trademarks and stuff like that. So then the people at Anthem and Impact said, sorry, get out of here, we're done. And that's what broke up their partnership because they wanted to have all their legality stuff taken care of. That way, when they put, you know, Global Force Wrestling on action figures or on a network that they called Global Wrestling Network, that they wanted to make sure that that was all tied up and that there wasn't going to be some random claim from somebody that already had access to those properties. So that's what broke them up. That was what broke up the longtime partnership, which had taken breaks between Jeff Jarrett and his former creation, uh, the product he helped create in TNA Impact, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that's what, that was the final nail in the coffin, the final straw that broke the camel's back. So then uh, Jeff got pretty upset and sued them over yeah. the use of the Global Wrestling Network. The W in Global Wrestling Network was green. Uh, so he he thinks he owns that color green, I guess, and and used in those, that combination of of typeface. I think he does sort of have a point there. And why would they would start their network, which has since been renamed Impact Plus? So they have at least sort of basically admitted, yes, okay, we probably shouldn't have done that, and okay, let's move on. So I don't know why they named their their streaming network that to begin with because this was after he was gone already. And then they had this set of tapings uh, that, that Global Force did on its own uh, before it was integrated into Impact. And they had these tapes, I forget what, what they were called, and they put them on the Impact website and you could rent them for like $6 and view these matches of guys that by the time these rele were released, some of them weren't even in the company anymore. Uh, they had, like, Bobby Roode was in some of these matches, and he had already been in WWE for, like, two years. So, very few people bought them, but Jeff Jarrett felt that he had the intellectual property rights to those, and he wanted the royalties from them. Well, then it came out later that, well, they didn't make much money off of these tapes anyway, and... Now they don't have the tapes. They, the hard drive that they were on, they literally said, oops, we deleted that. Sorry, our bad. So he's upset about that. And so it's these issues that they are going to court over. And it's in Nashville, so at least it's in the United States jurisdiction. He has that working in his favor since Anthem is a Canadian company. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to get out of this. I think the cost isn't going to be worth the benefit Cost versus reward here. Not looking good for Jeff Jarrett. That's that's just my opinion. I think more or less it's a public, you have to admit that you did me wrong type deal. I, I really think it's a pride thing. That's all I think it is. Yeah, and I mean, but how much is your pride worth to you, Patrick? Years in a courtroom uh, for $40,000 worth of problems my, i mean okay well i'm a lot like double j my pride would be worth that yes <laughs> but, and double j i would understand if he was unemployed which when he was dismissed he had the drinking problem but then got sent to rehab by the wwe and then was picked up by the wwe not only as a performer uh he wrestled a couple matches did did the rumble spot and then had a match on raw but then 
kept his job as a road agent. Even after these last cuts, he's still backstage. So it's not like he's struggling. I mean, not that that... I mean, look, that really makes no difference here or there, but it's not like he's out on the street begging. I mean, he's he's doing okay. So I guess that's part of the reason why he's continued the fight. He's got steady income coming in, so why not just fight him and see what you get out of it? Uh, but I, I have a feeling like this is going to end up costing him more than whatever he gets out of it. Yeah, I think so, but I don't I know, think it would have been better for him to just wash his hands of this whole thing. Own, does he still own the Global Force brand? That's an interesting question. I've heard that he, he does actually own the Global Force brand, but what is the Global Force brand exactly? It's just... We were theory. selling gold. We were selling well, gold. Well, he was. He was selling Global Force gold there for a minute. We were selling... Uh, it, what it actually is the Global, the global Force brand... Uh, as well as, are we going to see, like, NXT Global Force or something like that? Because, God forbid, we dig up a 25-year-old idea of In Your House and give it to NXT. Listen, I love In Your House. Love them. Still love them. Amazing events. That is a main roster pay-per-view. It does not deserve to be wasted on NXT. And if I offend, piss off, or upset anybody who is an NXT fan, I don't give a shit. I'm not a fan of NXT. I think putting Charlotte on NXT was a really bad idea. And the only reason they did that was because they could not compete in the ratings at the time with AEW. Well, and she hasn't really helped them out since going to that brand. They're still losing consistently. So... It's 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 a floundering thing that needs to just go away. And I don't mean that like fully go away, but I mean you have it's what I've harped on from the beginning when you put it head to head on a mainstream TV channel, you're comparing it to the likes of SmackDown, to the likes of Raw. NXT, it's true part of NXT, the main base frame of NXT is to help upcoming talent to move that talent forward to be a part of Raw and SmackDown. Now you've got three fucking different entities, and these entities, one of which can't carry its load because it's on the same damn night as AEW. By the way, you picked to go head-to-head that night, so Vince is getting his ass kicked, Triple H is getting his ass kicked, and this was their... They wanted to do this. Let's let that be known as well, because AEW had the Wednesday night slot locked in long before NXT said, oh, we're going to do it and we're just going to come out two weeks earlier you went on to do this and now it's it's an it's a bad idea it's a bad investment it needs to go back to what it was which is a network a WWE network weekly television show and leave it at that because you're throwing people out there that i'm sorry they're not delivering they're not not in my book anyway from the from the very few amount of things that I've seen. Now, and I say few because I'm not an NXT fan. 
I know I've never seen a Velveteen Dream match. Never. Ever in NXT. Now, I've heard he's one of their hottest talents out there in NXT, but I, I haven't seen him. He's going for the belt tonight. Well, see, there you go. Adam Cole. I have not watched Adam Cole on NXT. Now, as for Adam Cole as a whole, Adam Cole is a talented, phenomenal wrestler and deserves to be on the main roster. He should be taking that step up, and it is a step up because NXT is not going to be the main brand, nor will it ever be the main brand. They need to swallow their pride and realize that. Well, but they got $50 million to put it on USA, so there's that. I'm not as down on the NXT product. I think it's fine. I don't keep up with it because there's just too much wrestling. I hate to say it. There can never be too much wrestling in theory, but I just can't keep up with it. Uh, As somebody who has a family and works two jobs still and, well, one and a half. (laughs) Half of one job is gone. Uh, But I still, I am very busy, and so my time is very limited, and so you're asking a big commitment of me to tune into seven hours of wrestling from one, that's just from one company every week. And so out of those three, you have to pick which one. Unfortunately, it's on the same night as AEW, so I'm never going to pick it. That would be my only complaint with NXT at the moment. The in-ring product is probably the best out of the three brands. They get moved to the main roster. That's another problem that they've had even since it was on as a network show only, is that these guys get moved to the main roster without any background to them, without any kind of a, you know accomplishments. Very rarely... Do you get a Kevin Owens that gets a great debut match against John Cena, gets to beat him, that gets put over, that gets to show step on that U.S. belt and hold up his belt and, you know, have an impactful debut? A lot of these guys get called up and gals, and they don't have anything behind them. You don't know who they are other than this is just... They just expect everybody to already know who they are. And NXT has never done a good job as far as... The conversion to the main roster. Uh, when they come to the main roster, there should be weeks of vignettes and interviews and highlights, and maybe show some of their match clips and and get you get you knowledgeable about who this person is. Because if you don't, you end up with somebody like EC3 who looks great, but you don't know anything about him unless you watched years of TNA or watched him in NXT. And he just fades away and gets cut. So that's just my beef with with NXT. But and and I just don't watch it. I just don't have time. And on Wednesday nights, if I do find myself with a, a few extra minutes, I will flip on AEW if I want wrestling. And that's just the unfortunate reality that they they find themselves in. But NXT, by the way, was all devised. From a program called NXT that started in 2009, which was like a reality show, Patrick. Do you remember that version of NXT? Yes, I do. And so what they did was they brought in wrestlers and they would call a lot of them rookies. And some of them were green, but then you had guys like Brian Danielson, who was definitely not green, who had been Ring of Honor champion. And they would pair them with WWE roster members as their, like, mentors. And unlike Tough Enough... 
they were actually they were shooting these in arenas like I guess before taping Raw or SmackDown and it would be guys like running obstacle courses and promo cutting class and all this stuff and it was awful. I never gave it a second viewing after I saw it debut. I said this is just not for me. Uh but then about a year later, they have all these guys that were in the in the original NXT and they said, "You know what, Patrick? It's 2010. We've got all these guys. Bring them to the main roster." It's the same problem they have now that they had then. They decided to call them the Nexus. And they had them attack, interrupt a CM Punk and John Cena match, which is the old NWO method, basically, or the, the what the Shield ended up doing a few years later, where you just interrupt a match and beat the shit out of everybody. And I remember wrestling community, the internet wrestling community, being so excited about this. They they loved it, and I was just like, guys, you you haven't seen this before. This is this is the NWO. This is just the NWO. This I don't find anything really that interesting about this. And I think one of the problems that the Nexus made uh, back in 2010 when it debuted, which this is the anniversary, apparently. This this week has been the anniversary. I don't remember what day it was exactly. Uh, it was June 7th, so it's the day of this recording was the anniversary of that Raw where they debuted. The problem is, unlike the NWO and The Shield, where The Shield was three guys, the NWO started with one guy, Scott Hall, and then slowly grew, and you kind of... Well, the, the, the NWO was established stars for the most part until they started getting really out there. Uh, but The Shield, those were new guys, right? But you had only three of them, so you got a chance to know them. You got a chance to build each character... And the lunatic fringe and the architect and, oh, the big dog, of course. No, here were the original Nexus members, and we can talk a little bit about each. The leader, the guy who won season one of NXT, was Wade Barrett, who I thought was a good leader. He's a good choice for the leader. And had he debuted with maybe a couple other guys as the Nexus, and then you start working in the others, I think this would have been fine. I enjoyed Wade Barrett. I thought Wade Barrett, even when he was Bad News Barrett, after all that stuff, uh, the core was awful. When they started getting into New Nexus and the core, that was that set him back quite a bit. Uh, but that was I, NWO Red and Black. Mm, oh, he black was worse than that. <laughs> I think you're giving it too much credit. I think that's like NWO 2000 level kind of stuff. NWO there. Silver. Yeah, the Silver and Black attack. Um, so Wade Barrett was chosen as the leader. Uh, Daniel Bryan, who debuted with them, but got fired the very same night he debuted because he choked Justin Roberts with a tie. And that was a big no-no. So the very next week, you're already down one Nexus member. You had to fire Daniel Bryan for choking Justin Roberts with a tie. They would rehire him a few weeks later, a few months later, basically. So... It was just for publicity. It was just to say, hey, we're really taking this seriously. And so they fired him for political reasons. So uh, Daniel Bryan, a one-week member of the Nexus. Then we had Darren Young. Darren Young, more famous for the primetime players. Uh, He was part of the Nexus. Then we had Skip Sheffield, who turned out to be... Who... Patrick was Skip Sheffield? I have no idea. 
uh, feed me more. Oh, yes. Yes. So, yes, the the train wreck Goldberg 2.0 of Ryback. Yes. Uh, but that character worked a lot better than whatever Skip Sheffield was. This is what I'm talking about with these characters is if you didn't watch NXT, who the fuck are these people? They're just guys. And the only guy getting to talk is Wade Barrett. So that kind of hurt them, in my opinion. Uh, then we have Michael Tarver. Uh, he didn't last very long. Then we have Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, uh, David Otunga. Yeah. And David Otunga. Those were the original Nexus members. And David Otunga, I feel, it was extremely underrated. He had a great look. He had a great body. He was able to talk on a microphone. Married someone famous? He went straight to sitting at the announce table, and then now I don't even know if he works with the company anymore. No, he's still employed. Uh, he He's oh, on their roster page. Um, I'm not sure what he does. Maybe he does pre-show panels or those watch-along panels, but still there. His divorce from Jennifer Hudson, I had read that the company kind of felt sorry for him and uh, kept him on the payroll. So, But there you go, the Nexus, which quickly got watered down. Well, it debuted, it was watered down. Then, of course, they got into a feud and had Cena just murder them. Uh, well, they had the storyline where Cena got recruited into them. I was going to say, didn't he like, join them or some shit? He for... lost a match where he had to like join them, and then he won a match to break them up. And then, uh, and then we split them up into the new Nexus led by CM Punk, and the core led by Wade Barrett, and then they were on different brands. And then you brought in the other guys, like Husky Harris, uh, Michael McGillicuddy, and Mason Ryan, so... Oh, Mason Ryan. The Batista look like Still to this day, I, I was on Twitter earlier, and a lot of love for the Nexus, and I just, I don't get it. It's not something I understand. I was not a fan of Nexus. I thought it was a really bad gimmick. I thought it was a waste of time. But You're very down I this get- week. I'm worried about you. No, I guess because of what you said. It it was the NWO 2.0. And so it, it's <laughs> it was like, like well, 5.0 by then. Yeah, it's like I've seen it. It doesn't it I was not impressed, I guess is the best way to put it because I had seen it. I had lived it. I had witnessed it. Why do I want to and done better? Right. So it just it it was a bust for me right out of the gate. While we're still on the subject of NXT today, tonight, you mentioned it earlier, the In Your House pay-per-view, and you, you say you don't like them taking that gimmick from the main no. roster. No, because we've been asking over and over and over again, begging practically for In Your House to come back, and you're giving it to a, a third brand. And that that's how I feel about it anyway I'm sure there's going to be people who want to argue with me on this topic. You could say the same thing about War Games. They gave War Games to them. Exactly. and Which was extremely stupid. And they're trying to build up off that brand and their core brand is Raw and SmackDown. 
There is nothing that NXT can provide to WWE except to be like an Ohio Valley Wrestling or a FNW Wrestling down there in Florida, or FCW, I'm sorry, or uh, something along those lines as a territorial, you come from the Indies, you come work our, our little set here, let's see what you got. Now you got the eyes on you. Now you're there. It's either put up or shut up. You take the next step to the main roster, or you take your ass out and hit the indies again. It is not a main roster, main core show or brand. It never will be. And the quicker they figure that out, the less money they're going to end up losing in the end. Okay, so it's a big day down there at the Performance Center because in addition to tonight's live uh, NXT show in your house, which is on a Sunday, which sucks, by the way, put it back on Saturdays. That's the one thing I liked about those takeover shows. Saturday pay-per-views. Another AEW thing that I like better is pay-per-views on Saturdays. Exactly. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah, enjoy your weekend. Don't stay up till 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock on a Sunday when you have to go in. In my case, I have to go in at 3.30 in the morning. So you're asking a lot. I like to watch it live, you know. I don't like to watch it on tape delay. I get spoilers that way, whether I want to or not. Um, But a big day down there at the Performance Center in Orlando because earlier in the day they taped Backlash. They went ahead and taped the main roster pay-per-view for next week, and they had the NXT people in the crowd, which... Right after that last AEW pay-per-view where you and I talked about how much the crowd made a difference, the crowd being other employees that were just standing around, and AEW is, since the start of the, the COVID-19 thing, has had their crew in the crowd. This was not something they had just recently started, but I guess WWE finally woke up and said, hey, we're going to do that. That sounds a lot better than silence. And they put them behind plexiglass, so... Uh, the last few editions of Raw and SmackDown have actually had noise, which has been nice. It's something that pro wrestling really needs. And so they came backlash today, and so they had the NXT guys that were going to wrestle later. Some of them made up the crowd, so that's that, that was their contribution. But they went ahead and taped backlash, and we already have a spoiler, a possible spoiler, courtesy of Brie Bella. As as you know, on SmackDown, there's been a big Intercontinental title tournament, as Sami Zayn has told the company, uh, fuck off, basically, until this is over, I don't want to wrestle, or I don't know exactly what his issue is, but he has vacated the title, so they have had this tournament going on, and Brie Bella tweeted out a picture of the IC belt, and guess whose plates were on it? Daniel Bryan's. So she spoiled her husband's win. And uh, unless unless he just happened to have an intercontinental belt, you know, replica and had his own plates in it, which is possible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but and now that it's out, I almost wonder if they go back and reshoot it or like change an editing and like just to swerve us, just to swerve us, you know, because I wouldn't put it past them, but... So there's your one possible spoiler from Backlash. A quick injury update, though. Unfortunately, the modern-day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal, has a knee injury, Patrick. This is very bad news, because 
He's my favorite wrestler. He's your favorite wrestler. He's going to be out for a while now, and if Drew doesn't have the belt when he comes back, I don't think he's getting in the main event picture because I definitely saw Gender as one of Drew's upcoming title contenders. So, uh, very bad news for Gender Mahal. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go against all of that there. And <laughs> See, you're just in a mood today. This, uh, I, I really caught you in a bad I mood. I am. I'm, you I'm usually tell me how much you love Johnny B. Bad and how much you love Gender Mahal. And I just feel like this Fuck is going to have a Johnny lot of negativity today. Fuck Johnny B. Bad. He can kiss my ass. Yeah, rest in peace, Mark little Richard. I do like little Richard. Mark Marrow's don't even just don't get started. <laughs> and just finally, we'll wrap up with some news from the combat world, the combat sports world, but not necessarily WWE. As Conor McGregor, who is 31 years old, so very very old man, at the age of 31 from MMA for the third time, he's tweeted out three retirements. He said, hey guys, I've decided to retire from fighting. Thank you all for the amazing memories. What a ride it's been. Here's a picture of myself and my mother in Las Vegas post one of my world title wins. Pick the home of your dreams, Mags. I love you. Whatever you desire, it's yours. So. Alright, so how how long till Terry Funk comes out of retirement? Yeah, I believe uh, Connor will probably be out of retirement next year if he can get that fight with Khabib. If Khabib that makes it back into America, depending on the situation with the health pandemic going on and the price, of course, this is always just this is a bargaining ploy on his part. And it's to get more money. It's to get more interest. It's just Connor being Connor and to get people talking about him. And I guess now he can't go get into a bar fight because the bars are closed. He can't go oh, do whatever, smash a window in a bus so he'll he'll find a way to get in the news. He he always finds a way to keep his name in the news. And if that means retiring every couple years, that that's what he does. And he's an excellent promoter of himself. There's probably no better person in the business in pro wrestling or mixed martial arts who has promoted himself better by just keeping his name in the press as much as Conor McGregor and He's somebody that, despite a few years ago, when they were shitting on him on the WWE Network's Bring It to the Table, when JBL, and I think that was the first episode with Heyman and JBL, basically shitting on Connor because Connor tweeted out, uh, he doesn't like the fake shit or something, and JBL saying, oh, he wouldn't last a day in here if he came in here. Uh, WWE, if, if they got enough money, I don't think Connor would do it, but they would love to have Conor McGregor on their roster. Don't even let them fool you for a second uh, with any sort of propaganda from their wrestlers. They would they would back up the Brinks truck to hire this guy. I know things didn't go that well with Ronda considering... I mean, she wanted to start a family and they got a year out of her, but for all the money they invested in Ronda, if she never comes back, it's going to be looked back upon as maybe we shouldn't do this with other MMA fighters. But I, I think uh, it you was, should. It's a major fail with Ronda, in my in my opinion, thus far. It's a major fail. She better come back. I think her. Yeah, it's going to be a waste. Um, I don't see Connor. There's no amount of money that I don't think Connor McGregor would be like. Yep, I want to go and see what I can do 
at WWE. So, and he doesn't want that schedule for sure. This is a guy oh, that doesn't God, like no. working. No, God, no. And he'll, oh, he would definitely beat the Brock Lesnar schedule for sure. In addition to Ronda, they just had Kane Velasquez and, you know, fired him after a disappointing showing. And so maybe they've kind of gotten over the, the MMA fighter hiring mentality. All right, so it was my pick this week, and I decided since we had so many cinematic pre-recorded matches, theatrical matches in the last couple of months, we had two at WrestleMania, we had one at Double or Nothing, we had one on NXT where they, they did it artistically, filmed it, you know, made it not like your typical wrestling match. And a lot of more recent wrestling fans would credit Matt Hardy for doing those kind of those Hardy compound matches. No, 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 my friends. WCW was wasting money on these stupid matches years and years and years before uh, the competition caught on and King, started doing King it. Of the road. King, <laughs> King of the Road. King of the Road, we've already reviewed what a massive, massive amount of money they spent on that. They said, you know what, Patrick, we can one-up that. And they did it. Later that year, because that was Uncensored 95, I believe, right? And so... I think you're, yes. Yeah, so it was Uncensored 95. So that same year, they had already wasted a ton of money on one of these kind of matches, King of the Road, where it was Dustin Rhodes and the blacktop bully, Barry Darso. Barry Darso. He was also Repo Man, for all of you uh, new generation fans out there. They had already wasted a ton of money on that. The one thing WCW was good at... Wasting money. They always knew how to waste money until the very end when they realized, holy shit, we have wasted millions and millions and millions of dollars. We should probably just cut this thing off. And that's ultimately what happened with WCW. But 95, they were not turned away from doing these matches, even though Dustin Rhodes got fired after King of the Road for blading in that match. They kept uh, Barry Darso around. He he had a long career. I think he stuck around WCW until 99 under a couple of gimmicks. He, he was doing a golfing gimmick there to, for a little while. So Barry Darso kept his job, but Dustin Rhodes would turn into gold dust and have a much better career in the WWF than I think if he had stuck around in the post-NWO WCW. And so we go to October of 1995, and my pick... Halloween Havoc, 1995, from the Joe Louis Arena, which closed just a couple years ago, in Detroit, Michigan, in front of 13,000 people, the tagline, there's nowhere to hide, which apparently there is somewhere to hide because the giant hid there for a very long time tonight and no one could find him, so there is somewhere to hide. Now, we missed a few main event matches because main event not on the WWE Network, which is a crime, in my opinion. Eddie Guerrero beat Disco Inferno. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff beat The Renegade. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko beat The Blue Bloods, which was Earl Robert Eaton with Steven Regal. And finally, Sergeant Craig Pittman beat the former IRS VK Wall Street. So... Motown's gone mad, Patrick. The Giant is out for Hulk Hogan's head. And Hulk has crossed over to the dark side to take the evil powers and their monster truck sumo match that they're going to have tonight. This is one pay-per-view where I really, really miss Dusty Rhodes on commentary because 
any pay-per-view where there's bullshit going on, Dusty's a lot of fun. If there's serious matches and serious implications, Dusty is not good to have around. But this is right up his alley. In fact, I mean, he was a commentator on that Monster Truck show on TNN, so he knew Monster Trucks. Monster Jam, right when it first started, uh, yes, on TNN. Yeah, but for some reason, no Dusty tonight, which was very, very sad. So, Tony and Bobby talk about the sumo monster truck match, which will lead into a title match. So, a double main event tonight, as we get the same two guys. One time they fight in trucks, one time they fight in the ring. We'll see who who leaves. Only one is for the belt, though. Bobby Heenan, throughout the night, would call the roof the rough. The rough. Which is a, a Midwestern thing, I think. A lot of... Like, my stepdad calls the roof the rough. I, I'm... Just something that I noticed. They show footage of the monster truck match, clearly showing you that, hey, we've taped this already. Because they show Giant driving around and Hogan driving around. Why would they just be driving around now? They're getting the feel for the monster truck. They never drove it before. So <laughs> that's what it is. You got to get the feel of it. You got to get the feel of it. And they're playing nice. They're not ramming into each other yet. They're not. Nothing. So they're playing nice. They just they got to get the feel of it first. Right. All you need is about an hour of practice, and you're good to go. Absolutely. Especially when you're on the roof, and uh, you could possibly fall off to your death. That would be horrible. I hope that does not happen. (laughs) A little bit of foreshadowing. The commentators mentioned Flying Brian and Arn Anderson attacked Ric Flair, so we don't know if he's going to show up later for his tag match where he was going to tag with Sting. So... But we didn't have a camera crew back there, so we don't know his condition. Sorry, guys. The one time we don't have a camera crew for a sneak attack um, just happens to be tonight. We'll find out why later. Tony doesn't understand why Bobby is in a suit, which is weird because Tony was also in a suit. So I don't know what this comment was even about. At least they didn't do like they did at other Halloween Havocs where they actually wore Halloween costumes. So that was a, a good thing. Well, I see, I would love to have seen that. This first match gets a recap promo package. I'm not joking. And this is actually one of the better WCW recap promo packages I've ever seen. Why? Because it had narration. It had explanation. It wasn't just a music video. Johnny B. Bad had beat Flying Brian to earn a shot at Sting's U.S. title on Saturday night. Which is weird for multiple reasons. Why is Sting working Saturday night? Uh, Nitro just started, so Saturday night wasn't quite the B show yet. Uh, soon to be C show in a couple years, but Nitro had just started, so I guess Saturday night still had some value to them. So Sting was going to put his U.S. title on the line against Mark Marrow. Well, Johnny B. Bad. Well, he doesn't show up. He's not there. So Flying Brian ends up getting the shot anyway, and I assume he loses because Sting is still the U.S. champion as his pay-per-view. Well, Johnny B. Bad shows up at the end of Saturday night to talk to Mean Gene, and he says he had a flat tire. He had car trouble on the biggest day of his life. I guess he didn't remember marrying Sable, so the second biggest day of his life, a match against Sting, and he didn't have a phone (laughs) to call, which I know it's 1995, but Mark Merrow should have enough money, especially in WCW, to have a cell phone at this point. That's pretty sad. And then DDP comes in with Max Muscle, DDP the TV champ, 
and then make fun of him for blowing it and getting a flat tire. And then Max Muscle says, well, yeah, it's hard to get here on four flat tires. And Johnny B. Bad says, how did you know it was four? And so Max Muscle outed him and DDP as the person that sabotaged, I assume, Mark Marrow's, Johnny B. Bad's. I'm going to say he had a, a Trans Am. That's what I imagine he drove around in 1995 for some reason. He drove a fucking Pinto. <laughs> At Fall Brawl, Johnny B. Bad won the right to face Sting for the U.S. title with a win over Fly and Brian. Weighing 236 pounds, Johnny B. Bad! But when his big moment arrived on WCW Saturday night, Bad was a no-show. Hey, what a way you talk about. I said they were going to be toxic dirty, if you will, on WCW Saturday night. What a way to start this thing. Where's Johnny B. Bad at? I have no idea, but the Sting is ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been informed that due to the importance of this match, Johnny B. Bad has not arrived yet, but we are going to give him a little bit more time. Later in the program, Bad was given another opportunity to come to the ring, but failed again. Fly and Brian therefore got the match against Sting for the U.S. title. Something has gone wrong. Johnny B. Bad, if you joined us uh, late... He was supposed to come out at the beginning of the program to wrestle Sting. He beat Flying Bride at Fall Brawl and earned the title shot. But he is a no-show. Therefore, by default, Flying Bride gets a shot against the Stinger. Then, at the end of the program, Bad arrives. Tonight missed his opportunity to meet Sting for the United States title. This is the worst game of my entire life. Gene, I had car trouble. I had a flat tire. I'm the biggest day of my professional career. I have a flat tire. Wait a minute. If you had a flat tire, you could have at least given us a telephone Gee, call, John. Don't you think if I had a phone, I would have called somebody? Hey, hey, what are you doing? You are so stupid. How could you be so stupid to miss your shot at the WCW US Championship belt? I mean, I should have got the shot anyway. I'm a world champion. I'm a television world champion. It should have been mine. Wait a minute, Paige. Here's the man that earned the right to meet Sting for the U.S. title. He beat Flying Brian Pillman no. at Fall Brawl. Johnny, that's his misfortune. Do you think I would have missed this match and have an opportunity to prove the Sting who could be the next U.S. champion? Zeros don't become champions. Guys like Diamond Dallas Page become champions. <laughs> now, Max Muscle, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, it is pretty tough getting here before flat tires, ain't it, Dallas? Wait, wait a minute! Oh, oh, wait! How did you know it was four flat tires? I said a flat tire! Oh, no! What a punch! For whatever reason, though, I, I think it's weird, though. Johnny B. Bad, he was in line for the U.S. belt. But now he's like, okay, well, I'll just challenge you for the TV belt. That's a step down. Like That is a step down, yes. I'd still want my main U.S. belt shot here. So, DDP comes out to a terrible theme. It's not a dub, by the way. This was what DDP was using uh, in 1995 here. He's got Johnny B. Bad's Bad Blaster. I guess he stole it from him. And he's got the Diamond Doll Kimberly. And he's also got some of the worst tights uh, in wrestling history here, as DDP uh, hadn't been doing his yoga and didn't have quite the wrestling body. I mean, he had just started wrestling, like, a year or two before this. So, not exactly got it all together. Not got it figured out yet. 
And his gimmick is also weird too because he's Ty Dillinger. He 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 likes tin. He likes holding up tin fingers. He couldn't figure out if he brought them together, it'd make a diamond. So that would take him another year or so to do. And so when he'd do a good move, he'd want Kimberly to give him a tin. That was his gimmick. And that he likes cigars. Johnny B. Bad's music hits. And a guy comes out. Jumpin' Joey Mags is who this guy was that was playing the fake Johnny B. Bad. And he's got his cape and his or his robe or whatever it was. And he's facing the entryway so you don't see who it is. And Johnny B. Bad, the face in this match, sneak attacks DDP. And then they take him to the outside and they start tussling. Uh, Max Muscle gets involved. Bad and DDP fight in the crowd for a moment. Bad puts a bucket on DDP's head, which ding, 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 DQ. Nails him, rolls him into the ring. Kimberly looks very disinterested in this match. He doesn't care. DDP won a bunch of money, which would be on the line in a match down the road, which was an awesome angle where DDP lost all his money and then showed up disheveled to fight the booty man who would end up taking Mark Merrow's spot after he left for the WWF. So uh, I think we've already reviewed that match. Uh, DDP we have, and it was shit. DD, well, any match with Ed Leslie, as you'll see later tonight, is pretty much shit. Hall of Famer Ed Leslie. DDP wants a 10 from the Diamond Doll, but she doesn't do it. This is sort of teased as a number one contender to Sting's U.S. belt, but Sting isn't even defending it tonight. So, I don't think you're getting that that shot, whether you win or lose. DDP hits the pancake, which is an inverted pile driver, but it's really more like a lame Styles Clash. Like, it's a, just a really shitty Styles Clash. He hits it to bad for a two count. Tony and Bobby mention Mr. JL and Sabu are fighting later tonight. EC dub. EC dub on a WCW pay-per-view. Johnny B. Bad hits two atomic drops to DDP, then a flying forearm, a flying head scissors, followed by an axe handle smash. The Diamond Doll gives Johnny B. Bad a 10. Oh, no. And he only gets a two count on DDP. Mark Mero hits a sit-out powerbomb for two. Then DDP counters Johnny B. Bad with a Diamond Dream, which is sort of like a float over DDT, but it sucks. DDP then tries a diamond cutter, but Bad's got it scouted. He just holds onto the ropes and dodges it. Bad takes DDP out of the ring. Bad tries a shitty-looking 619 thing and then hits the Bad Day, which is a standing tope con hilo, which gets a two-count when he rolls DDP back in the ring. He goes for the Tutti Fruity, but DDP hits Max Muscle, some miscommunication, and Bad rolls him up for a two-count... Muscled in clotheslines, DDP, by accident. One, two, three, Johnny B. Bad wins the TV title to, no shit, a standing ovation. What are your thoughts on Johnny B. Bad and DDP's five-star classic, Patrick? I give it a fourth of a star. I actually think it's one of the better matches on this card tonight. I hate to say it. I think it's my second favorite match on this card. Wow. Almost match of the night. Johnny B. Bad was almost my match of the night, Patrick. Wow. Holy shit. I thought it was a really good opening match. It went almost 30 minutes, which is a a little bit too long. But Johnny B. Bad is actually not a bad wrestler. I think he's not as bad as youth say is and a lot of people say is i think he's he was actually ahead of his time in a lot of ways 
And unfortunately, his gimmick sucks, uh, which really, I think, held him back. And also the fact that he had been doing this gimmick for like five years at this point. When is he ever going to move up? When are you going to move him up? When is he going to change? This is late 95. This is almost the end of the new gen era as far as corny characters why not give him a more realistic like his his boxing gimmick in wwf was good uh not the women hating part but the golden gloves part i think that would have been awesome also had anyone known he was married to sable if they could have brought her in and had him and and sable versus ddp and kimberly you got something there they just they never gave him a chance then he went to wwf vince saw sable and uh mark merrill was pretty much done at that point because it's all about your wife pal so and then brock would be taking that from him so now he just gives motivational speeches to kids he couldn't motivate a cow to walk across the road what is it about him you you dislike so greatly there was an interview i'm going to keep this very vague uh there was an interview in which he said that he hated his time in wrestling, he regrets being in wrestling, that it's not a real sport, that it is uh, a waste of entertainment value, and he just starts shitting on wrestling completely. If you can find this video, then you will understand what I am getting at on why I'm keeping it vague. But it just, it's... No, I think you're referring to an interview he did after the Benoit stuff in 2007. Correct. And it just, it pissed me off. He was called out on it. He still stood behind it. And I was like, you motherfucker. Did that kid keep food on your table for almost 20 years? And so, no, it it pissed me off. He still does it to this day. Still, still runs down professional wrestling. So, no, fuck him. I have no love lost for him. I think someone has a right to change their tune about wrestling when they're when they're out of it i view pro wrestlers work for what i see of it and not i have to separate their work from their views outside of wrestling oh when... i get that but I, he was a terrible wrestler to begin with though i mean let's seriously <laughs> you he could do a he moonsault won. he could do a shooting star press so could fucking vader so oh, could... good point so could bam bam bigelow <laughs> I mean, dude, just because you can do a moonsault and a sh- okay, he can do, they can do a shooting star press, but, but I'm just saying, he, he never even got a run for an IC, a European title. He never got anywhere past being Johnny B. Bad, which was a terrible gimmick. Ran way too damn long, and the first thing out of the gate is. It's WrestleMania 12, and right out of the gate, Sable, his wife, is walking Triple H to the ring. And from then on out, he it went downhill. He never... It was bad. It was bad. And he could never pull off a match with anyone. I never saw a good match of his. A legitimate good match. I put him in the lines of a Mongo McMichael. Wow, wow. I think he's he's light years ahead of Mongo. But the one thing I will say about his wrestling run, I'm not gonna. I don't think he was very good on the microphone. I thought he had 
pretty bad gimmicks, uh, but I did like the Golden Gloves boxing gimmick. Without the, if it didn't have the women hating stuff in it, I think it would have been perfect for him. Until he gets to the brawl for all, and he fucking loses. And it's a great gimmick. It really is a great gimmick. But he couldn't utilize that gimmick. This will be our our longest conversation on Johnny B. Bad, Mark Merrill. We will we will move on. You have made your feelings very clear throughout the last two hundred episodes of our podcasts about Mark Merrill. But uh, I just I just wanted to put this to rest and uh, just that I am in the thumbs up category as far as decent wrestler, and that you are very very thumbs down, uh, no matter what. <laughs> so I just. I do, man. I think he's a bad wrestler. And then for him to then turn around and make the comments that he made, and I'm sitting there going, dude, you were lucky that you kept a job because you were that shitty. And then you want to turn around and shit on it more. Fuck you, dude. No, fuck you. So that's my, that is my opinion in regards to Marmero. And I, I believe it or not, I'm pretty sure there's a lot more people out there that agree with me on this than certain people realize. All right, we move on in the pay-per-view. Tony and Bobby talk about how Giant has never wrestled, which was partly true. I think he had one match that wasn't on TV before this. So his debut match, Patrick, going for the world title, that's a hell of a push. And he's driving a monster truck. And he's got to drive a monster truck, which I'm pretty sure he's probably never done before either. And well, how the fuck did they get him in there? Is what I want to know. That's that was my biggest question. Like I know that the sumo monster truck match was not; they were not in the cab for that, obviously. But they did get them into the cabs to do those shots of them driving around. So how the fuck did he? Yeah, he's a massive man, and those cabs are not built for men of his size. They're not. I have been in in uh, quite a few monster trucks, believe it or not, in the past. And no, they are not built for someone of a six. If you're six four or higher, you really don't fit. It's a very small, tight knit place for safety reasons and. I just couldn't I, – I that blew my mind when I – it always has, but to see it again just blew me away that they were actually able to squeeze him in there. I mean, the steering wheel alone is pressed practically up against him, and it looks like it's a, a fucking baby rattle compared to him in his hand. So – yeah, I, I I almost think these sumo monster trucks, as I'll call them, I think that they might have even been modified to where there was a professional driver on one side and the wrestler on the other side. I think that's the only way you could explain him being I, able to fit in it. Because you'd have to take a chunk out of it. I think that's what they did, because how are you getting... The, I really believe it was live shots of them in in the trucks because when you look from the side view and then you you look from the the up above footage you have the exact same scenery the exact same time of day it it was very 
I, I think they were in there as a live feed and that it was a side by side side by side with your with the driver and the rider. Am I wrong about this, but aren't monster trucks aren't isn't the steering done by like levers? It's not even a steering wheel because you're controlling no, the back you have, wheels. You have a steering wheel on to work the front wheels, and then you have a joystick to work the back wheels. Oh, okay, okay. I just I couldn't remember. We'll have plenty of time for monster truck talk later on. Um, oh, I have quite a few to say about it. Up next, the Zodiac. Ed Leslie. Oh God is out next to Rey Mysterio's theme song, and he's going to take on the Macho Man. As... Why the hell... I never understood. Why does he come out doing the claw? Like, Baron Von Raschke? Did you ever realize that? Yeah, and there's lots of questions about, I mean, just his character in general. He's called the Zodiac. He can only say yes or no. Um... He's he painted like a zebra for some reason. And he does the, the Baron Von Raschke claw, but it's never part of his repertoire once he gets into the ring. So I couldn't, I just could not understand. That has been one of those question marks in wrestling that has bugged the shit out of me for so many years. Well, part of the reason you never see him do the claws because he usually doesn't have enough offense to get to his finisher. He usually gets squashed in a minute or two as he was a last-minute replacement as Kamala backed out. Kamala, for whatever reason, did not want a job to Macho Man Randy Savage, so he just quit <laughs> the company. He didn't want to lose to one of probably the second biggest star in wrestling history up to that point um so kamala just said fuck it i quit and uh so ed leslie threw on some paint and said i'll do it so and that's exactly what happened as macho man gets a huge ovation the only notable thing that happens in this match is a drunk woman rushes the ring. I guess she had a bad night with either Macho Man or Ed Leslie and wanted some revenge. And Randy Anderson, of all people, takes her down. He does not fuck around. He has the best takedown of the night. And Macho Man doesn't even bat an eye and just keeps going. <laughs> and the crowd cheers as she gets taken away. Macho Man hits his elbow and wins the match and gets a big reaction. So Macho Man had to win that match if he wanted to meet Lex Luger later in the night. Lex Luger also had to win his match to meet Macho Man. But there was no explanation what if both guys had lost. Would there have been a match between... What's that? Are they fighting over Liz? (laughs) Maybe in their real lives. (laughs) But she she wasn't uh, introduced yet. I think that was 96 when she actually made her on-camera debut, so... Okay, alright. And I forget who it was that... Oh, it was Flair. Flair brought Liz back. It was was her and woman that walked with Flair, yeah. Right, and Flair was... It's always kind of weird when you continue a storyline from another company, so it was basically the continuation of their WrestleMania feud. (laughs) So... Very weird. Um, yeah, and, and Ric Flair would have those giant platters at ringside during Nitro for the first few months. That was always weird. Was always, well, and they kept, they did the DDP 
Diamond Doll thing on that aspect as well, that she had took all Savage's money. And Flair was blowing it with, like, these giant... Right, yeah, yeah, all the catering was, was yeah. his money. Yeah. Even though he he had... There was nothing about him, like, he... It wasn't like the, the JBL has Shawn Michaels as a slave thing in WWE or DDP being disheveled. Macho Man was just Macho Man. He did, he showed no signs of being poor, other than just being angry that all his money was getting spent. <laughs> he He didn't... He didn't, like, come out, like, disheveled, you know? There was no, no change in his character whatsoever. In no way. Up next, your favorite moment of the night. Johnny B. Bad comes in and cuts a babyface promo with Mean Gene. God, it's terrible. Then Road Warrior Hawk is out to take on Kurosawa. Banzai. Hawk yeah. just brawls with him, hits a running shoulder block, hits his neck breaker. Hawk was supposed to have a broken arm. Unlike Macho Man, who had a legit broken arm, Hawk had a storyline broken arm, and of course, being Road Warrior Hawk would not be selling that at all through this match. Hawk powerbombs him with his bad arm, but Buddy Lee Parker distracts him, and Kurosawa takes over. He hits a Samoan drop, Parker holds his feet on the ropes, and Hawk is forced to do a job which is awesome, because I'm sorry, uh, I love the Road Warriors, I love Hawk and Animal, but I do enjoy seeing them lose, because I know how mad it makes them. So, good. And the fact that they refuse to lose so much. And lose clean. And then, when they lose, they have to stand up immediately, get on the turnbuckle, and get all their heat back. It doesn't... They never, like... I'm surprised with that New Age Outlaws gimmick that they allowed their mohawks to get shaved off because these guys, and they must have been fucking fuming. They must have been livid. They fucking hate losing. They take this shit seriously as far as wins and losses. They don't understand we're just doing business. They wanted to be Goldberg, perfect, undefeated streak. And they didn't want to sell moves and they didn't want to sell losses. (laughs) So I love... I just love Hawk's reaction, especially. Not so much Road Warrior Animal, but Hawk, anytime Hawk loses, is just hilarious to me because I know he's fuming and he gets up and poses. Like, we've reviewed a match where he faced like Ric Flair. He faced like Flair for the belt. Flair beats him and he does the same thing, like, gets up immediately. Like, no, no, I'm not acting like I just lost that match and poses. I just, so, this match just made me smile for that, because never changed. I mean, he never changed to the the bitter end. I mean, this guy, uh, it's, that's what, I I just, they're so great. The Road Warriors are just great. Macho Man is with Mean Gene next. He does a great promo about Hulk Hogan, about how we're friends, but you know, if we wrestle, I could beat your brother, just know that, yeah. And then he disgraces Mean Gene. How dare you, sir, when he says that his mustache is a little off. And Mean Gene says, well, your beard's a little crooked. And uh, these two just had great chemistry together. Uh, One down, one to go. And you know what? I beat the Zodiac, yeah. And we had even a little audience participation, yeah, because I'm wild, yeah. And I'm going to tell you something, Hulk Hogan. I heard what you said about me a few days ago, yeah. And I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend. But if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Randy Savage, I know you Your are... Your mustache is crooked. Your beard is a little sideways, too, but I don't want to get into that. That's I'm not right. going to take personal pot shots at you or anybody else. That's not my nature. Get in line, everybody. I'm a little better Come guy in. than that. I don't mind telling you. Cool. I'm man. a bigger man. Cool. Well, how did we get into this? That's okay, man. Very curious. I'm going to take Lex Luger because I know he's going to beat Ming because I'm going to make sure he does. Can, can, can we just uh, get away from the subject of the, the Luger uh, potential Randy Savage match? I want to ask you one other question because everywhere I go, people are talking about these two monster trucks that are going to be colliding here a little bit later on. The giant in the Dungeon of Doom truck and your good friend Hulk Hogan in the Hulkster's monster truck. My curiosity is killing me just like a cat would be killed by the curiosity, yeah. Because of the fact machine versus machine and man versus man doubled and tripled by the exposure of the WCW Heavyweight Championship belt. Don't you think I have a little bit of interest right there? I think friendships, friendships, business is business. Hulk Hogan already threw the line in the sand. I'm just following it up. Yeah. All right, we're going to be watching I'm very closely. Be a participant, and I'm going to be watching too through the video scope. Yeah. Anytime Mean Gene and Macho Man had interview segments, it was just magic. And this was vintage Macho Man, which unfortunately in WCW didn't last long because it's WCW. And Macho Man realized, hey, I get paid the same. I'm just not going to put any effort into this. So. Yeah. Up next, I swear this is not ECW, it's Jerry Lynn as Mr. JL to take on Sabu. Bobby says, what does JL stand for? And then he says, just a loser. <laughs> Sabu is out with the Sheik, his uncle, the original Sheik. JL keeps Sabu on the outside with a tope from the top turnbuckle. JL moonsaults him for a two count, hits a sit-out powerbomb for two. JL German Sabu off the second rope for a two count. Sabu hits a springboard moonsault. And then Sheik goes into business for himself and burns Mr. JL after he had already lost the match. This was not planned and got the Sheik in some hot water. And Sabu and the Sheik were both basically... I don't remember if they were fired or quit after this, but this is Sabu's only WCW pay-per-view, I think. And this was match of the night. Wow. Well, JL did have some good offense in. I mean, both of these guys did did work. But unfortunately, where I said, like, oh, DDP and, and Mark Merrill had a little too much time, these guys had no time. These guys were in fast-forward mode. And ultimately, though, it's two wrestlers that people don't know about or care about, sort of like guys in the nexus so it's like they could go out and have a five-star classic but no one's going to get into it because it's mr jl this is not my my match of the night i have one that i like better and it's still to come and it's not for match quality either i just like it better we go to the taskmaster's lair which is not a lair it's brought out to the set with king iakea he's Kevin Sullivan's mentor and I basically skipped this promo Sullivan my son I'll include it here but uh, basically is he Prince Iakea or no, is he King <laughs> he's the king uh, they're not related actually but they gave Prince Iakea that name in honor of this guy um, who is this guy King Iakea King Curtis Iakea um, competed in the WWF. He won the tag team championships with 
Baron Skakluna, who I think was in that rumble that we did last week. He was also the master of the Dungeon of Doom in WCW. He appeared in a Three Stooges movie. Wow. Okay. He was in the Portland Territory 1961, feuded against Tiger Jeet Singh in the 70s. His Wikipedia doesn't even include much about his WWF run. At one point, he managed Kamala and Sika in the WWF before being brought in as the master of the Dungeon of Doom. So, But it seemed like he retired from entering in the 80s. Oh, I see. So he actually was related to royalty, Hawaiian royalty. He was the grandson of Colonel Curtis P. Iakea, a royal chamberlain and diplomat to the court of King Kalakua, and Queen... I can't say their last names. Anyway, so... He actually was part of some sort of royalty in Hawaii. Damn. prior to being sold to the United States. The island, anyway. Was also in camp with the Oakland Raiders in 1960. So, outside of this run with the Dungeon of Doom, I have never seen him in anything. So, uh... Dude's got some big scars on his forehead. He's got some... Uh... Abdullah the Butcher scarring, so it looks like the kind of wrestling he was into was probably ahead of its time. Oh, Tony mentions the Yete. The Yete is here tonight. He debuted on the Nitro going into this show. Well, he broke out of ice. Uh, They didn't actually show him, so we were going to get to see the debut of the Yete tonight, so stay tuned. The one and only. The one and only. Because I don't think he lasted much longer after this night. Oh, no, he did, my friend. He would become Reese in the flock. Well, I know. I mean, the character itself, though. Oh, yes. Well, they they repackaged him as Super Ninja Invader. They still called him the Yeti, though, at World War III. So they switched him to, like, a Mortal Kombat ninja gimmick, even though he was a giant man. He was taller than the giant. Uh, They gave him a ninja gimmick. They still called him the Yeti. And then they, or the Yete, and then after Super Ninja Invader went away, he probably went back to the power plant and then came back up with the flock. So, Ron Reese had a pretty long career uh, for a guy that was shit in the ring. Uh, Just because you're tall doesn't mean you belong in a wrestling ring. I haven't heard much out of Ron Reese in quite a while. Let's see what Ron Reese is up to these days. He last competed in Ring of Glory, which was Vince Russo's Christian-oriented wrestling federation in 2005 as a character called Evil. And uh, that's the last (laughs) I've heard of Ron Reese. But went to Japan after WCW and stayed there until... 2002 so this dude had a pretty good run for a guy that was not very good he was originally billed as big ron stud because he was trained by big john stud unfortunately i don't think john finished his training because this guy was garbage so ron reese made an appearance as the yeti in 2019 at the espacio discotheque and it was part of something from Macaloon Productions. They also had Glacier there. It was an event called Come Hell or High Water. So, Ron Reese still getting out there occasionally. Uh, 
we might have to reach out to Mr. Mr. Reese and see what he is up to. Oh, well, on another wrestler that nobody uh, cares about, uh, note. Uh, by the way, so WW, this is off topic. I'll make it quick, but WWE 2K19, not 2K20. I know that you got 2K20, but I stopped at 19. The servers are still online, so you can get DLC. You can still get community creations. And somebody out there, some um, hero amongst us, Patrick, made the gambler and made him look good. And... (laughs) Gave him his little hat and his boots. His tights even say Gambler on it. He gets introduced as Jeff Gay, which his name is Jeff Gan, but I guess Gan isn't a last name. And, oh yeah, his overall ranking is like 89. So, I put him in the ring to take on Roman Reigns in a WCW Worldwide Arena, which I downloaded. He still got beat, but it was... This is now my new favorite character in 2K19 is the Gambler. So thank you to whoever did that. I am one of like the 15 people that downloaded it, but I was just thrilled to find the Gambler. Now, unfortunately, I can't find any of the jobbers that would beat him throughout his career. Like there's no Eric Watts out there, but I have a Gambler. Up next, it's the winner of the Harley Davidson sweepstakes. It's some dude from Alabama and his family, so congrats. It's all about motorsports. Someone in WCW really loved motorsports. Well, that would be uh, the owner of the company. Turner used to show NASCAR races and stuff, so he was a big. Uh, he's a big part in the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yeah, and uh, what's weird about this Harley Davidson giveaway though is that the giant ran over. Hogan's Harley Davidson, so really this should have been given to Hogan. Hogan gives the bike away. I I skipped this one as far as this won't be included in the podcast. But then the World War Three promo plays, and then Tony and Bobby talk about it, and Bobby fucks up his insult about the man who just won the bike from Alabama. He talks about the trailer park and botches his joke. Up next, Ming. He's here to face the total package Lex Luger. Luger dodges Ming's attacks and catapults Ming to the corner. Bobby promotes all the WCW programming on TBS and TNT. Then Ming power slams Luger for a two count. Then Ming goes on the attack, belly to back for a two count. Sullivan starts chatting to Luger on the outside of the ring. So maybe, uh uh-oh, Luger might be joining the Dungeon of Doom here. Luger, he can't take... The big man off his feet until he hits the bionic clothesline. He calls for the torture rack, but Ming low blows him. Sullivan runs in and DQs Ming by kicking Ming and giving Luger the win. But it's a a gentle kick, so he did it on purpose as he is recruiting Lex Luger to join the dark side. Any notes on this match, Patrick? Not, Not really, no. Me neither. Mean Gene is with the giant. Giant stumbles through... His promo has... He's like 19 here, so of course he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But he gets the message out. He's gonna win. Well, my thoughts right now, me and Gene, are very simple. Number one, if Hogan has the courage to show up, if he finds the heart to meet me on the roof of Cobo Hall, when we hook up, grill against grill, truck against truck, machine against machine, in that 100-foot diameter, it's not gonna be big enough. Because I'm gonna push him right clean off the roof, and if there's anything left, right out here, Joe Lewis Arena, Hulk Hogan, 
is going to end up giving me the world championship belt because I'm going to choke slam him right to the floor. Do you understand me? Look at that hand. You've got to be kidding me. Please, from now on, I'll hold the microphone, or you can hold it for that matter. Now, let's talk about something else. In the ring, as you alluded to, right here in front of a capacity crowd at Joe Louis Arena, WCW heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan putting the title on the line after the monster truck competition against you quickly, sir. If he lives, I'll tell you one thing right now. Hogan is going to get the beating in his life. WCW heavyweight championship on the belt. Hogan, you're mine, and don't forget it, you understand me? Up next is Arn with Brian Pillman taking on Sting, who's supposed to be with Ric Flair. Sting comes out alone because Flair was attacked. We don't know where Flair is. And so Sting starts the match alone. The fans chant for Flair. Sting dominates these two guys for a while, but Arn finally slows Sting down for a second. Sting recovers, throws Pillman out. It looks like Sting's going to win this on his own. When Flair shows up in khakis and a sweater, which is weird. Flair starts strutting in the corner. He takes off his sweater, and he just starts flaring out, basically, in the corner. We want Flair chance from the crowd, but Sting just can't get the tag. Sting counters a double-team splash from Pillman and Arn, but Arn cuts him off before he can make it to Flair. Sting can't get the hot tag to Flair before Flair has to battle off Pillman, and when I say battle off, he chased Pillman around the ring to avoid getting the tag. Arn and Pillman just take turns beating Sting down. Arn traps Sting in a leg lock, and he screams, Nature Boy! And... Rick says, hang on, Sting, hang on. Sting battles out of the horseman's corner and goes to get the hot tag to Flair. Flair gets the tag, comes in, and then puts the boots to Sting, which is awesome. Because Sting looks like such a fucking idiot for trusting this guy for like the sixth time in his career to do the right thing. The horsemen join in, and it's great, and Sting is a fucking idiot as he gets the shit kicked out of him. Gene is in the aisle way. He calls this the most disgusting thing he's ever seen, which can't be true. He puts over the hotline before uh, Ric Flair and the, the newly formed horsemen make their way over, where you can have a chat with Hawk, which is a total lie. Hawk is definitely not going to answer the hotline if you call. The horsemen, well, especially in 2020, the horsemen come in and Ric Flair cuts an awesome promo on Sting, which is really good. And then, of course, though, there's a big step down when when Flair says, what do you have to say, Brian? But Pillman, he just gives a big Flair, woo, which is cool because I've never heard Pillman do a, a Flair woo before. Then Arn says, reunited and it feels so good. And this, my friends is the match of the night because it's awesome. Sting is a, a dumb baby face and it never fails. It never fails. He gives everybody, especially Ric Flair, chance after chance after chance and is always, always done in. And I love the fact that Flair didn't just immediately come in and attack Sting, that you built it up, you built up the hot tag he even waits a minute in the ring where you think he's going to attack Arn and Pillman. No, he uses his gaiters and just stomps the shit out of Sting. It's awesome. Like, a perfect setup, a perfect execution. Flair even rips the bandage off his head. There was no attack. Like, f- fuck Sting. You're an idiot. It was awesome. It was great. 
I think you're actually right. I think it's around like the fifth time. Because didn't they feud at one point in time and Flair was Black Scorpion and it was in a cage against Sting? And like it, it, I think it is around the fifth or sixth time that. Yeah, and Sting was like in the Horseman for a minute. Like. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was him and Sid. That's right. Constantly. Sting always takes this guy at his word. And. That just shows how great of a babyface Sting is, that he will always just be the blind, dumb babyface. Much like much like in a month or two with Luger, when Luger is very clearly joining with the Dungeon of Doom and, like, fucking Sting over, Sting is still like, oh, come on, we're still pals, we're still good. Like, they never got to the match, they never got to their blow-off match there, but again, Sting, just, dude, wake up, realize that everyone is going to turn their back on you, like. <laughs> Um, so it was great this was my favorite promo of the night this was my favorite match of the night alright now we go to school first thing you learn is you don't jump on double A second thing you learn is you don't play around with Flying Brian third thing you learn is you never mess around with an nature boy. And the fourth thing is, you don't walk, talk, or breathe unless the horsemen want you to. Right, Ryan? Woo! <laughs> Summarize this. Be careful what you wish for. All you bloodthirsty fans out there that ask for this, well, you got it. Now deal with it. Oh, we're reunited, and it feels so good, horseman style. Woo! It sucks the NWO came along in 96, or the horseman could have been running the show as the top heel group, but... That is very true. Yeah, well, and then and then Pillman might not have ever left, so... Yeah, it would have been pretty awesome. And Mongo would have never joined, so a lot of tragedies could have been prevented so tony and bobby talk about the betrayal here they just can't believe it even though they should have because they've been watching especially tony he's seen this before bobby it's new to him but mike Tanay is with luger Tanay asks luger about facing macho man later tonight luger fucks up his promo it sucks he just says it's just gonna be the the, the big boys getting it on what a perplexing situation here in Detroit, Michigan, Lex Luger. You appeared to have the match in control. You had Ming set for the torture rack. Then he brought the Asiatic Spike into the ring. And of all people, the taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, interferes. What do you make of this? Now you have to face Randy Savage after that grueling match with Ming. You know, it seems a very perplexing situation. It seems there's forces here in the World Championship Wrestling. Besides my good pal and friend Sting, who want this match between the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and myself to take place. The reasons why, I can't really say. I don't really know. Maybe I'm not 100% right now, but Macho Man, when the total package Lex Luger, here's that bell ring. It's you and I, the big boys, getting it on. And when the bell rings, I'm going to be there, Macho Man. And you know what? I'm going to be 
all over you because I've got a goal that I stated from day one. And you and your pal Hulk Hogan can commiserate together all you want. But the bottom line is this. I am the total package. I am going to be the greatest wrestler that WCW has ever seen. I am going to be the world's heavyweight champion. You know what, macho man? I'm going to go through you to get there. I'm going to make an example of you. So, macho man, you better be ready. You've taken on a lot of big matches in your career, but you've never had a bigger match than the total package Lex Luger right now because I'm standing before you and I'm telling you, macho man, that I'm going to take you apart piece by piece because a total package always gets what he wants. Great, thanks, Lex. The newly, the new hire here, Lex Luger, the big star. <laughs> Coming in here, fucking shit up. Bobby trashes Hogan and Tony sort of plays into it while they preview the sumo monster truck match. The Hogan and Giant promo plays next. It's whatever, it's fine. It all started when Hulk Hogan was doing an autograph signing and the Giant rolled up in a monster truck, tossed a t-shirt at Hogan, which Hogan recognized as Andre's t-shirt, and then the giant ran over his motorcycle with a sumo monster truck. And that is how we got here. Uh, a crazy, crazy way to get to a match, but that's what happened. They did the unthinkable. They attacked Sullivan and Giant, attacked Hogan on an episode of Nitro, and shaved off his mustache. How dare you? That is like his source of power. That, yes. That and is, also, uh, this happened weeks ago, and Hogan doesn't have any stubble tonight, so he's been keeping this up the last few weeks. Also, they broke his neck two weeks ago, and uh, no broken neck tonight, not even a cast. Everything's fine. The giant snapped this man's neck, killed Hulk Hogan, and he's totally fine. It's it's nothing compared to what the giant would pull off later in terms of miracles, but uh, still pretty unbelievable. This is unforgivable. Okay, they shaved the mustache. <laughs> yeah, brother. He got so sad, he lost the red and yellow. He had to go to the dark side. You don't mess with the mustache, brother. And then last week, of course, we had the unveil of the Yeti, who broke out of ice. Now, Tony leaves the broadcast area. They bring in the guy that built Bigfoot, uh, Bob something. And Bob Chandler. Of course you know the name. I, okay, should, so I should have just let you talk about Bigfoot. Bob Chandler, big, the Bigfoot monster truck was the very first monster truck of, of its kind. Instead of guys being out there in just regular trucks that you find on the roads today, he went out and grabbed some tires that were used for tractors and things like that, and proceeded to then start using it to climb hills and to start crushing stuff, which then turned into what now Monster Truck is today. The Bigfoot Monster Truck is the very first of its kind. Bob Chandler is the man, the myth, the legend behind Monster Trucks today. Now, he went on to have a team, a team of Monster Trucks, as a whole, such as Snakebite and Bigfoot and Wildfoot and none other than the WCW motorsports team. 
of monster trucks. So the Hulk Hogan monster truck, Sting monster truck, Goldberg. even Gold, even Goldberg monster trucks were part of the Bigfoot team. There you go. That's it. Signed, still delivered. But then many years ago, got into a big tiff with uh, the Monster Jam people. So now the Bigfoot trucks don't compete on that circuit anymore. That is correct. So now their main star, there's there's two famous monster trucks. It's Gravedigger and it's Bigfoot. And so now you never get to see them together because they're on different circuits. So it's kind of sad. That's all, that's all I know about monster trucks is Gravedigger and Bigfoot. They're just the monster trucks that I know. You, you know all of them. You know the drivers. We went to the very last Monster Jam event at the Georgia Dome. You knew all the shit. You knew all the people. I do, yes. I love, I love, I grew up with Monster Trucks as a kid in the late 80s, early 90s when Monster Trucks was starting to hit its stride and its peak and its prime because in the early 80s is when Monster Trucks were created. So you're talking about three to four years in. I am now growing up with what this sport as being called as monster trucks. And uh, no, dude, it was great. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And still to this day, love monster trucks. And I will own me a monster truck one day, and I will roll up beside you on the road, and I will have this giant t-shirt, and I will throw it out at you, and then just run over your car <laughs> and, and drive off. And challenge me to a sumo monster truck match. Of I will, yes, yes. Well, I skipped most of this interview with Bischoff, and they're just talking about trucks and stuff. So then the, the match starts. Well, before the match starts, the ref goes over the rules which Hogan has this blank look on his face where he's like, I don't understand any of this. Whatever, let's just do the match. So the two monster trucks are welded together in the front. And so they are going to do basically a ballet. This is like pro wrestling for monster trucks. It's choreographed it is <laughs> monster trucks. Pushing. It is sumo pushing with four wheels. Yes, yeah, so... We talk about them wasting a lot of money on King of the Road. Well, let's talk about what they wasted here. Okay, so they're not even at the Joe Louis Arena, so they had to rent the Cobo Hall as well. They only needed the roof for that, though, so the rest of the hall, I guess. Maybe they got a discount since they were just using the roof. They had to somehow get the monster trucks on there, which I assume they used a crane, probably, to get them up there, which had to cost a fortune. They had to use a helicopter, because this is before... Um, drones, so to get these aerial shots of this massive uh, sumo ring, which was all these fire like barrels in a giant circle, and so they had to have this helicopter shoot, like go around this building probably a thousand times. They had to pay for the fuel for the monster trucks to rent the monster trucks. I'm sure they got a discount since they were sponsors. Uh, they had to pay for the drivers, the stunt teams. Oh my goodness, the amount of money to get these things off the fucking roof when they're done. Um, this was just a massive amount of money. Pyrotechnics up there, permits the to do all weight, this shit. The weight of a monster truck is much heavier than you realize. 
Uh, one tire alone, I think, around this time, if I remember as a kid, was around a thousand pounds. So you're looking at four thousand pounds just for tires, not to mention the the metal chassis, the metal frame, the motor, all the gears and everything. So this is not your average Ford F one fifty. Okay. I do not understand how they were able to reinforce the roof of this building to hold that kind of weight, and especially how it didn't mess up the roof with the vibrations and of the acceleration of both the tires going at the same time and the motor revving up. If you were there, okay, you can speak to try to explain this as well as I can when you when we went and saw in Atlanta. It shakes the very ground under your feet when they get wide open, and that's what they were doing on this roof. And so it was – It's. I'm surprised that, number one, they were able to do it, number two, that it didn't cave the roof in, and number three, I want to know how the hell they supported the roof well enough to be able to do this. Well, they also had to shoot this in the middle of the night because since the pay-per-view was happening happening at night, so they shot it probably the day before. So they did this at night. I hate. I feel sorry for the neighbors that were around that were trying to get some sleep, uh, and also so you had to pay for all this lighting to to light the fucking thing, or else you'd have the hardcore Invitational where you couldn't see anything. This was just a massive amount of money for very little payoff here. Well, I say very little payoff. Oh, no, you get you get one payoff, one payoff for this entire entire what seemed like 15 minutes a payoff that goes nowhere because miracles happen tonight in detroit uh the monster trucks just do ballet hogan's truck is so ugly because it's just his arms his veiny arms are part of his truck so the giant doesn't even get his own truck he gets a dungeon of doom truck so shows what level he's on the giant pushes one axle of Hogan's trucks out of the circle, but you gotta push both axles, so Hogan's still in it. This sends some pyro off, uh, but doesn't cause Giant to win the match. Hogan, though, battles back, pushes Giant's axles out of the circle and wins the match to no pyro. <laughs> then the Giant climbs out of the truck, chases Hogan to the side of the roof for some reason, where all fighting needs to be done, I guess. You couldn't just go to his truck and just beat beat him there so they go over to the side of the roof the giant then is on the roof battling with hogan and gets shoved off the roof by babyface hulk hogan as bischoff screams no 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 and hogan just goes help 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 he's nuts he crawled out he's going after hogan we're gonna have it right up on the roof wait a minute no, there is no security. We don't have enough security up there for this. He's going to throw him off the roof, Bischoff. No, 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 no. He's no. going to throw no, him off. No, 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 oh, they no. They are at the edge of the roof. Oh, oh, whoa. You better get the firemen out there with the nets. The giant has got Hulk Hogan on the edge of the roof of Cobo Hall. Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. Off of that. 
Somebody get him off of there. I get him look. off of there. No! No! Oh, my God. No! Oh, no. Help! Help. No! And then they show the water, implying as if the giant fell from a building into water. So we've we've lost the giant, folks. Hulk Hogan just killed a man. He did, and he's the baby face. How dare him! This is horrible. Yeah, Bischoff, Heenan, and Bob—they don't know what to say. Bobby asked Bischoff, "Which side of the roof did giant fall off? The river or the parking lot?" Bischoff says, "What difference would that make?" And Bobby just puts his head in his hands as I think there's a huge difference between falling on concrete and falling in water, but that's just me. I I, I don't want to test the theory. If you're falling that far, no, there is not a difference, just FYI. I don't know, maybe the giant's an excellent diver. Maybe he could, you know, correct his form. You know how those guys dive in, into like little kiddie pools and stuff? Maybe yeah, he could do that. Yeah. No time to process this death as we move on to Lex Luger and Macho Man. As Luger walks out, Bobby just blames Hulk Hogan for killing Giant, which he's correct in. Luger chats it up with Macho Man, extends his hand in friendship, and Macho attacks him. Jimmy Harton walks out and seems to be managing Lex Luger, but we don't really know. Bobby mentions, how can I do Nitro tomorrow following this tragedy? And Tony says, you just have to, it's your job. Bobby is overacting and everyone else is underacting, if that makes sense. Bobby just is distraught and everyone else is like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So, uh, I don't know. They, they should have found a balance. Luger's huge, loud selling. Ah! It's really obvious in this match as Macho slams him into the guardrails. Luger uses a dirty pin while Hart keeps Nick Patrick distracted. Which is weird. Why would you go for a dirty pin when the ref's distracted? Luger accidentally runs into Hart, which allows Macho Man to hit the elbow and get the win. So, if Jimmy Hart was trying to recruit Luger, it didn't go so well. It cost him the fucking match. So, Tony and Bobby now argue about who is going outside to figure out what's going on with the main event. Bobby gets up to go find out and then just immediately comes back. He says, oh, there's just too many people out there. (laughs) They fill so much time here. They replay the finish of the monster truck match and then replay the giant falling off. And I think I heard they added a splash at the end of his fall to, I guess, (laughs) convince you about what's to happen that is possible, I guess. They stall some more and go to Michael Buffer for the intro to the main event. Buffer calls out the giant, but... We have a change, folks. Hulk Hogan comes out first, who's in his black gear with Jimmy Hart. The king of Hulkmania, as Buffer says. Hogan without a mustache is just weird looking. He wants his music cut, and he takes the mic from Buffer. He apologizes for murdering the giant, but then the Dungeon of Doom music hits, and it's a miracle, Patrick! The giant has walked out completely unscathed, not even wet. He changed into his gear, doesn't have a bruise. This man is a walking miracle. He is fine, and he has Kevin Sullivan with him. So That's what happens when you are a giant. 
Christ. He Nothing just landed on his feet. It was it wasn't a big Nothing. fall for him. Nothing can hurt you. No. Yeah, that was a hop for him. He makes <laughs> Superman look like nothing because he can just leap buildings in a very small jump. Yeah, they ain't got shit on him. <laughs> Bobby is relieved to see the giant. Hogan tears off one shirt, but then he has one underneath, so very weird. He must have been off the, the gas here and uh, didn't feel comfortable wrestling without a shirt. So it's weird to see Hogan do a shirt tear to reveal another shirt but okay Hogan then takes off his bandana to reveal he's got the Taskmaster's painted eyebrow things on his face which was very weird I was like is Hogan joining the Dungeon of Doom what the fuck is going on here and it's weird because Sullivan is in the red and yellow so I don't know what they were going for I don't think they did Uh, the later part of 95 and into early 96 was Dungeon of Doom was a group of literal monsters of the month coming in to job to Hulk Hogan. And they tried, they were teasing maybe Hogan's going to turn heel here. They were getting a preview with his black gear, but they just couldn't commit to it. And at World War III, he's, ble- he's back in the red and yellow. And more guys from the Dungeon of Doom would be jobbing to, to Hogan uh, coming up. Leading to their awesome uncensored match in 96, which we've reviewed, where it was the alliance to end Hulkamania with the Horsemen and Dungeon of Doom teaming up. So Hogan hulks up, but gets stopped by a kick by the giant. Giant misses a terrible-looking Hogan leg drop. Hogan takes him to the turnbuckle, does some corner punches, and then bites him. Ding, 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 DQ. Some vicious back rakes to the giant. Hogan tries some clotheslines, can't get the giant off his feet, but he does clothesline him over the ropes, and the giant legit fucks up here and stumbles into the guardrail because I'm sure his one instruction going into this match was, hey, brother, just don't go off your feet, brother, until I tell you to. And uh, unfortunately, he went off his feet here. Hogan still can't get giant off his feet, though, when they get in the ring. In the ring, he can't get off his feet. But Giant hits a backbreaker to Hogan for a two-count. Bear hug from Giant to Hogan. Sullivan just stares at the match, looking bored. Giant then chokeslams Hogan, but fucking Hogan. You motherfucker. So Giant goes to pin Hogan after the chokeslam, and Hogan immediately gets his hands up to kick out. And he kicks out at two. This is this is the Giant's first match. His finisher immediately buried right out of the gate. Fuck you, Hulk Hogan. This guy that you recruited to come wrestle to make money. Your friend, you bury his finisher right out of the gate. Fuck you, Hulk Hogan. Um, Big boot, but Hogan didn't knock the big man down. Hogan wants to slam Giant, and he does it. Which is in Michigan, which is a callback to the Andre thing. Not quite as grandiose here at Halloween Havoc. But it does get a big pop. Hogan hits the big leg, but the ref got pulled down by Jimmy Hart, which Hogan thought he just tripped. So Jimmy gets in the ring and helps Hogan lift the ref up. But then Jimmy decks Hogan with the belt that Hogan no-sells. Again, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. Luger and Savage then run out. Luger to hurt Hogan, Savage to help Hogan. So they start brawling. Jimmy decks Savage with the belt, and then Luger stomps Savage. Then the Yete comes out, and then proceeds to um, violate Hulk Hogan. As the Giant had a bear hug, and the Yeti just goes on the backside of Hogan and starts doing 
naughty things. And then Luger racks Hogan Sting, by the way, nowhere to be found. What a fucking friend he is. I guess he was tired of getting betrayed. He didn't want to find out if he had no more friends. So Sting doesn't show up. They don't even chant for him. The heels all celebrate as the Giant is named the winner by DQ. The Giant takes the belt, even though Buffer says the belt can't change hands on a DQ on Nitro. We would find out that it can because Jimmy Hart negotiated it. Then the Giant would be stripped of the belt about a week later, and World War III was going to be for the title, and there you go. So, what calamity at the end of this match. This, ladies and gentlemen, was entertaining as hell. Entertaining to the very best that you can get. A complete clusterfuck by, by far. Yes, very much so. There's so many things they did wrong in this match, okay? Um, number one, the giant was resurrected without explanation, okay? That's a big problem. That, understand, I don't understand. Like, they could have swapped him out. They could have said, okay, Macho Man's going to fill in, and then maybe the next night on Nitro they explain something with Giant, you still, the crowd would still accept a good main event. That's what I always, card subject to change, as long as you give them a good main event, they don't, they don't care that much. If you, if so, but they just, they resurrected this man with no explanation. Okay. Fine. Fine. We can overlook that. Then they get you into the match. That? Wait a minute, you can overlook that? We have to overlook it because that's what they did. And then the match starts, and it's always it's this teasing of Hogan in the dark side. He does nothing that he doesn't do as regular Hulk Hogan here. He I mean, other than he doesn't play up to the crowd. He doesn't do the ear thing. He doesn't have red and yellow on. That's the only thing different. He has no mustache. The Giant is a very green wrestler, and Hogan is a very bad wrestler, but I did think they had some good exchanges. They, With what they could do, they were still putting on a decent match. Yes, absolutely. The ending I would have done is Jimmy screws over Hogan, Hogan takes a choke slam. one, two, three. As much as I like to joke about the Road Warriors never liking to lose, Hogan never likes to lose. And uh, Ever. this proves uh- it. Ever. Ever. Ever, no. Has never willingly taken a loss and just been cool with it. But this is a guy he found, the giant, a guy that he could make a lot of money with. A guy that Vince McMahon, I'm sure, as soon as he saw him on WCW TV, said, fuck, I want that guy so bad. Because <laughs> yes. the giant... Because I thought the same damn thing, the same fucking thing watching this, is I'm like, imagine Vince sitting here going, all right, what are they doing? Oh, shit. Because Paul White here was in great shape. Like, he, I mean, I realize he's like a kid, but... He could hit a standing drop kick, okay? And he's 7'4". Yeah, and he's... He's slim. He's a slim 7'4". He's not overweight. He's not slow. No. Uh, like, this could have been the Starcade main event. Like, Hogan could have made a lot of money with this guy. But instead, yeah. 
no, 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 got to do this bullshit finish because Hogan's not working <laughs> um, in January. So got to do this. Uh, like, uh, just awful. And then, okay, so if you're going to go the DQ route, then just the Jimmy Hart thing was enough. You didn't need Luger to run out there. You didn't need Macho Man to run out there. And you definitely, definitely, definitely didn't need the Yeti to run out there. Because you just debuted the Giant. He's the the giantest man ever. He just survived a fall from a building. Let's get a guy that's taller than him. (laughs) Who's a worse wrestler. Who is a mummy, even though he's supposed to be a Yeti. Which a Yeti is like a Sasquatch, but whatever. Oh, so bad and then he comes in and humps Hulk Hogan Um, that part at least is fun and entertaining to watch because it's like what was he thinking why didn't he just hit him (laughs) I'll just join in in a group hug yeah this is a disaster but a disaster in the best kind of way a disaster you need to see to believe and that's why I picked it so uh, what are your thoughts on Halloween Havoc 95? Extremely entertaining. Very well done. And enjoyable for a good laugh. An all-around great pay-per-view to watch. If, if you can get through the first couple of BSs. <laughs> so you're saying if you can make it through Johnny B. Bad, you're going you're gonna to have a good time. Yes. Yeah, to me, I think you can start it at the Flair and Sting match, and you're going to have fun after that. Everything after that is going to be fun. The matches, not going to be good. If you're looking for good wrestling, I would not recommend this. But if you're looking for all the things about wrestling that are just bad to make you laugh... Yeah, the, the stupid shit. and the entertainment part, yes, absolutely. Yeah, the cheesy B-movie stuff. Uh, as far as the, the sumo monster truck match, just what a, what a waste of money, but a classic. It has to be seen. It has to be known. Uh, this is a must-watch pay-per-view because of that match and because of the main event. So, on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where would you like to rate Halloween Havoc 95? A Yeti. A Yeti. Wow, that's pretty tall. Uh, that is a pretty tall order. I'm going to give it a King Iakea on his throne. So, uh, that is... A very big man. A very big man, yes, who said very little other than Sullivan, my son. But, Patrick, that was my pick for this week. It was a good time. It It was a good chance to escape reality for a moment and just watch some total bullshit. Where would you like to go next week in our Retro Wrestling Podcast? Well, we're going to see if another legend in the making can take down a big man inside of a steel cage. I'm talking about Big Daddy Cool Diesel against Bret the Hitman Hart for the WWF World's Championship inside of a steel cage in your house number six. Oh, off the heels of In Your House 2020, you wanted to do an In Your House. Yes. So that's where we'll go next week. 
one of the few in your houses we haven't done yet. Yeah, we've done a few of them, but there's a lot. There's a lot of them. That's where we'll go next week, In Your House 6. But that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bango.